fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into a What's Up? Happy Wednesday for the middle of the week. Somebody, man, I tell you what, there are some things in this world that are just with. Someone keeps messing with my cameras and stuff here in the studio. Now the camera's like, I gotta sink all the way down here. I'm gonna have to adjust that during the break. I gotta sit down here so you can actually see me. <laughs> Welcome into it. If you're watching it, if you're on the radio, then it doesn't matter to you. You just want some clean, high quality audio coming into your ears. And that's what we're here for. Welcome into it. It is the voice reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here. In Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However, you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. As usual, I know we say that every day, but for one hour, man, we really try to cram as much as we can into this program. John O'Connor, he'll be joining us bottom of this hour. We've had him on many times before. Author of the book Postgate investigative journalist and podcaster as well. We'll chat with him about the latest investigations and hearings and court cases against former President Donald J. Trump. Where are we at with some of these, especially this real estate one, which has been hysterical to watch, is not only has Donald Trump himself been there, but the entire Trump family has been there and has been pretty sarcastic throughout the entire thing because of how stupid the case, uh, the case actually is. So we'll get an update there. And has Trump won the court system yet, or are we still having to battle with stupid going on in the world? That being said, and speaking of stupid, how we doing, buddy? You feeling good today? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm terribly sorry. I didn't mean to actually denigrate anybody. I'm just you know, I'm trying to think out loud here. Uh, <laughs> let's get into what's trending, because there's some wildness going on in California for sure, right? What's trending today? For the first time since 2017, when the uh, president of China, President Xi, made his way to Mar-a-Lago in Florida to meet with then-President Donald J. Trump to talk about Chinese and U.S. relations for the first time since that time in 2017, the president has again, or the president of China, has again set foot on American soil by landing in San Francisco and going through the meetings today. Have you seen the video of the motorcade? of the Chinese president rolling through the streets of San Francisco. Now, first off, we talked about it yesterday. Gavin Newsom all of a sudden miraculously had all the money in the world and all the resources possible and all the programs, the government agencies that were able to work in queue lockstep to work together to clean up the streets of San Francisco to where they could actually drive down the street and not see adult feces sitting on the side of the said street. And they said, well, we've been working on this program for years, and this is the test workout. You know, okay. Yeah, we believe that one for sure. Uh, So they did their best to clean up the streets, all they could in San Francisco. Everybody came out in the droves to drive through and watch the motorcade drive by. But did you see the number of flags, Chinese communist flags, that were flying around that area? Not just that, but banners, like lining the streets. The barricades that were lining the streets lined with just Chinese messages. It was very strange. It was almost like we were actually in China. Now, I get wanting to be respectful for a foreign agency coming in. I get that. But and every once in a while, we'll see it. If we go over to Europe sometimes, and if you remember, actually, when Donald Trump toured into Europe, 
for United Nations meetings and for other things that he did. He never got a whole lot of protests out there. In fact, he got a lot of support because unlike what the media was telling us at that time, saying that Donald Trump was an extremely unpopular American president and how uh, trust in the American relations was going down because we couldn't trust Donald Trump, blah, 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 that wasn't actually true. And actually, every time Donald Trump left the country to go tour somewhere else, they would wave American flags. If you remember, was it, I want to say it was France? Maybe it was England, but I'm pretty sure it was France. One of the European nations, when he went out there, they actually had like the the, the LED lights on the skyscraper, the big tower, and they had that as a massive American flag, which was really cool. But that's very rare when stuff like that happens because they're prideful of their own country. And while we're respectful to have a foreign government come in here to talk relations and make sure that we don't start World War III or anything. Uh, You know, we can be respectful, but we don't have to do that. That was a little weird, watching that barricade and that uh, caravan drive down the road with these barricades lined up with Chinese messages and the hundreds of Chinese flags that were being waved out there. Now, I get they're going through San Francisco, a very large Asian population. But if you're here in America, wouldn't you want to wave the American flag and give them respect at the same time, I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. It made me a little uneasy seeing how much uh, loyalty there was to the communist Chinese leader while he was on American soil. Now, during the conversation, we're not going to play any audio, except for the fact that apparently you're not allowed to ask any media questions to the Chinese communist president or President Joe Biden at that time after their talks behind the scenes. Then they went out there and made their little public thing that was extremely awkward, and Joe Biden looked like he was lost the entire time, like he usually does. But apparently you're not allowed to actually ask any questions either. Everyone's moving out. Thank you very much. Pick it up and take it out. Pick it up and take it out. Pick it up, take it out. Pick it up and take it out. No questions. How dare you even think about asking a question to President Xi or President Joe Biden after their meetings? How dare you be curious about what they talked about behind the scenes? Now, the Biden administration says that they were talking about climate change initiatives. They also said that they are working on trying to ease tensions. This is coming from the Chinese president saying that they want to ease tensions with the United States because they don't want any conflict to happen. And I'm just thinking out loud here, but do you want to know why a communist Chinese president who's looking for global dominance would come to the United States during a time of weak leadership with the United States and talk about easing tensions? It's because they already have a game plan to take over. Now, not like physical takeover. But economically, they're kind of on a straight upward trajectory right now compared to the United States that's working on trying to pass a continuing resolution that ends on Friday again this week. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. A country that has technology that apparently surpasses us when they have a balloon that flies over our nation. And we're just like, meh, don't worry about it. Move along. Nothing to see here. A country that is looking to take over Taiwan and funding a ongoing conflict in Russia, which, by the way, Russian casualties have now hit 300,000 in that in that for the past couple of years. So that continues to climb, and Ukraine doesn't seem to let up, and Russia doesn't seem to give up. So that's going to be going on for a while, and China's footing the bill for a large portion of that ongoing conflict, partnering with the other great threat that wants to bring down capitalism worldwide. This is a communist dictator 
that's talking about easing tensions. I, I mean, maybe I'm just the paranoid son of a gun on the radio, but shouldn't that be a sign of concern when the Chinese communist guy that wants global dominance and wants to bring down the United States is coming over to our country all smiles and happy giggles and talking about trying to ease tensions with a leader that doesn't remember his name half the time? To me, that would be a sign of concern. That, to me, would be a cause for concern of what we're actually advocating for here and what we're going along with. And Joe Biden's like, well, we've had a great relationship, and while we may not have agreed on a few things throughout the years, we still can get along, and it's really encouraging to hear that we can actually ease tensions. He's easing tensions because he's already got the game plan. The United States, unfortunately, our leadership can't see in front of their own face. And the Chinese government's 10 steps ahead playing chess. We're playing Chinese checkers, so to speak. That was the wrong one. I was supposed to do that that one there. But nonetheless, you get the point that we're trying to say. They're 10 steps ahead of us. They're trying to play a game way more sophisticated, and we're just trying to keep our head above water. They already have the game plan to surpass the United States in global dominance right now. So, of course, they're going to play nice because the Biden administration is in the back pockets of China, giving them whatever they want to. And Alternative Energies is plan number one by taking on Chinese solar panels and Chinese windmills and trying to get rid of oil and letting them dominate the market by putting it and centralizing the electric grid that they're soon going to have control over and that they can do whatever they want to with as well. So, yeah, the Biden administration's giving away the entire cow while trying to sell the milk, and the Chinese are well aware of that because we haven't been able to negotiate at all in a very long time, and they're just shaking their hands and smiling and kissing the babies and doing the PR stunt knowing that they're in full control of the conversation. And to me, that's a little cause for concern, but by golly, instead, we're going to spend all this money to clean up the streets in San Francisco and have the appearance of things looking okay and, and running smoothly when we know they're actually not. Now my curiosity that uh, once this is all done in the next few weeks, I'm curious on how long it's going to take for the poop app to reemerge and for the streets to be littered with homelessness and needles and drugs and the crime and everything else that's going on in San Francisco and the entire state of California, not really the entire state, but at least those major metropolitan areas in California, how long it's going to take to get back to that uh, slum-looking mindset and Gavin Newsom completely turn a blind eye to it because, well, he doesn't really care. His sights are set on Washington, D.C. and flying to the other port, uh, the other side of the country. And we have, by the way, a lot of listeners in California. We love you guys. Our podcast downloads right now, you're number one on our state with the most amount of downloads for the show. So thank you for that. Uh, so you're obviously paying attention to this and wondering what the heck's going on. Yeah, you're being played like a fiddle and the Chinese communist government's coming in smiling and they have all the plans of what they're going to do with all those nice corporations there in the state of California. Very concerning. So uh, we'll follow that as it continues on. But it was pretty pathetic, and it was really scary to me when we saw that that uh, motorcade moving through the city and how many Chinese flags that we saw moving through that area. That being said, we got to what's trending today. Bring it home to the home front here, right? Because if we're going to try and maintain our dominance, which I don't necessarily know that we have economically, maybe military-wise, I still think that we're in good shape. But economically, we are struggling, and as you know. We have T-minus two days until the ending of our budget again with the end of the continuing resolution on the 17th on Friday. The House of Representatives today has passed their government uh, or their uh, CR extension. 
in a little bit different fashion. And by the way, that passed by a 336 to 95 vote. And out of those 95 that voted no, 93 of those were Republicans. And the majority of them being staunch conservatives. Why? Because there were no spending cuts or no limitations on this extension of the continuing resolution. No restrictions. The only thing that it did not include, which was a win for Republicans, was the lack of funding for Ukraine at the near $100 billion sum that was requested by the Biden administration. Uh, But at the same time, that wasn't enough for Republicans, for some conservatives at least, to get on board with this one because it doesn't do any massive spending cuts. What it does do is it has a weird two-tiered system, and some people are critical of it. I think it's kind of smart because for the first time, We have a Speaker of the House trying to keep Democrats on their toes. And instead of just doing a full-on, we're going to fund everything up until this date, or an omnibus package funding it for the entire year, it's a two-tiered system with some federal agencies being funded until the middle of January. The second tier is other federal agencies will be funded until about the beginning or middle of February. So kind of two different timelines. Why? I have a couple different theories. Number one, I think that we're working on appropriation bills and actually want to have appropriations done for this next fiscal year, which would be amazing because we haven't seen that in a very long time. But I also think that Mike Johnson, being as smart as he is and being a little bit different and not coming from a leadership establishment type mindset, trying to keep the Democrats on their toes, trying to keep them guessing on what he's going to do. He's pulling a Trump card right now. Or he's going to be unpredictable, and Democrats don't like that. We'll talk more about it when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you hang out with us, it's always appreciated. I love you more than I can ever show and express to you. Thank you so much for joining us here each and every day. Six days a week, really. Three different programs. Man, we just kill it all over the place. We always love you and appreciate you for that. So, we have... I told you before that... With the new Speaker of the House, with the way he is, with the principles that he stands for, with the values that he holds dear to him, with the conservatism that he is. Because remember, Jim Jordan studied with Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson is a solidly conservative individual and was rising up out of the ranks from uh, the great state of what Louisiana and coming out and, uh, and really showing what he's about. And now we're already seeing conservatives starting to question on whether Mike Johnson's the proper fit for Speaker because of this continuing resolution. And I got to remind us, we have to take a break here for a minute. Just take a breath. Just relax for a second and recognize a couple of things here. Number one, the that Rome wasn't destroyed in a single day. And we're not going to rebuild it in a single day either. It is going to take some time. The question is, what type of leader is going to be able to actually see some real changes coming out of Washington, D.C.? And I said this before that I am okay with an extension of the continuing resolution, even at the current spending levels, if and only if we see some actual changes in the federal budget moving forward. We knew that we weren't going to get all the appropriation bills done in time. We already knew that, especially with three weeks down trying to find a new Speaker of the House. We knew and kind of went in anticipating that. So that's number one. So this is not unexpected for Republicans to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that we're doing this again. He failed already three weeks into it. No, 
we got to give a chance for this. But I'm okay if we do this extension, even at the current levels, if we start seeing things move in the right direction moving forward. And by right direction, I mean actually having 12 appropriation bills in each of these 12 appropriation bills see a number that is smaller than the last time that they actually were voted on. Having an entire federal budget overall being smaller, not just slowing the growth and having it still go up, just going at an upward level at a slower rate than what before. No, I want to see actual lower numbers than what we had seen in the past. And so far, out of the eight different appropriation bills that have been passed that I'm aware of right now from the House of Representatives, that's been true. In fact, there are many of those that have near 35 to 40 percent cuts in these appropriation bills for the agencies that they refer to. Which means we're on the right track. Now, here's the bigger question. And this is where the test is going to be for Mike Johnson and for the Republicans in the House of Representatives. Is if we do this extension for the continuing resolution and we continue to fund the government at the same levels that we're at right now in this two-tiered system, some until the middle of January, others until the beginning of February, which people are like, why are you doing that? Well, there's a tactic to it. Again, like I said, number one. That's probably referring to which appropriation bills that they're still working on and are going to need some more time on and are anticipating that because wild concept, we're actually thinking longer into the future than right before, you know, just the length of our nose right now. And number two, it keeps Democrats on their toes. Democrats and the, I take that back, establishment, the rhinos, the establishment, the wishy-washy, the deep state, whatever, they like consistency, they don't like surprises, and they don't like things being caught off guard. And Mike Johnson is totally pulling a Donald Trump card right now by being unpredictable with a two-tiered system for the CR. And I'm all for it. Go for it. But here's the big but here, is that if we're going to do this, we have to stick to our guns with these continuing resolutions that we're passing. That means when they get passed and the Democrats, especially Chuck Schumer, who's right now praising Mike Johnson, trying to start another fire, trying to ignite another feud within the Republican Party to get angry. How dare that someone like Chuck Schumer be angry with Mike Johnson or supporting Mike Johnson? How care? We got to be angry with him now because he's coward and he's caved and he's working with the Democrats. He's trying that. The challenge is going to be is that if Mike Johnson and the Republicans hold to their guns when these appropriation bills are passed... And the Democrats say that they're dead on arrival in the Senate. And the Biden administration says they're threatening to veto because they cut too much. If we stick to our guns and we fight for them or whether we cower, that is when we make our decision on whether Mike Johnson has betrayed the Republican movement and what he said he was going to do. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into. I'm watching these. Still looking at some more of these clips and videos and pictures of the Chinese president visiting the state of California. President Biden out there scuffling around, looking extremely awkward as he usually does, needing to be told where to go, what to do. The crazy amount of Chinese flags being waved on the streets by people and the massive, like the weird, again, the barricades along the road with just these Chinese words and signs all over the place. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. What are we doing? I get it being respectful to a foreign nation coming in, foreign leaders coming in. That's what you do. But uh, did we take it just a little bit too far? We're just rolling out the red carpet saying, hey, I know you're trying to dominate, but, you know. 
uh, we're just going to give it to you on a golden platter here. The weird part is that Biden went in talking about climate change. That was his initiative. He wanted to talk about climate change. And while President Xi's like, well, we're going to like take over Taiwan and we're going to become the global dominance and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And we're like, hey, can we do some more climate change? Can we buy more of your like natural resources for us to make solar panels and windmills, please? Because that would be totally awesome. That's what we've done here. And uh, is, that, is that working? No. Okay. Not quite where we need to be. Instead of standing the firm line and saying, hey, you're not going to invade Taiwan and we're going to cut off some of your supply. And oh, by the way, the trade deals that we made with you before under the Trump administration, like the ag deals, for example, where they were going to buy so much agricultural products, it was a three-phase trade deal. They didn't even accomplish phase one. They were short with the amount that they had committed to buy. And then as far as I'm aware, we didn't even go into phase two and three with those trade deals. So, uh, yeah, they didn't hold up to their end of the bargain, and they're just doing whatever they want to, walking all over us. No wonder why they say they want to ease tensions, because they already have us in the, their palm of their hands, and it's kind of sad to watch. All right, let's shift gears a little bit here, shall we? I want to bring it back home to the home front. What's trending today? Bringing it back to the home front as we see the ongoing... Uh, um, I guess you want to call it ridiculousness, the civil war within the United States on the dominance of our political aisles and the absolute obsession to try and keep Donald Trump off of the ballot for 2024 and in the White House of 2024 as well with these ongoing court cases. And have we seen such corruption in this nation before? I know we've had Watergate and other scandals in the nation, but is this taking it to an entirely new level? Happy to have back on the program. We love having this guy. And by the way, he's on other talk shows and national big ones too, which is awesome. And I'm really happy for him. We had him first. I just want to remind people of that. Uh, he's the author of Postgate, How Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began uh, Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. It's Mr. John O'Connor. John, how are you, my friend? Hey, good to be with you. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's great to have you back on the program. Uh, these hearings that we're seeing, these court cases, these ongoing litigation battles that Trump's having to deal with, are they getting any better? Because it's almost seemed like the Trump family themselves with this real estate issue has been kind of mocking this one uh, because of how absurd it is. But uh, some people don't like that. and They really want to find a way to just shut Donald Trump down. Well, what I would say about this, Andy, is this. In Watergate, the Post defrauded everybody about Nixon and what happened and claimed that this was a campaign operation. It wasn't. They got rid of him on the basis of fraud. But I, as well as every other observer, didn't know that, that these people were lying, that the Post was lying. Hmm. Today, they're telling us, don't believe what you see with your own eyes. Believe what and you hear with your own ears. Believe what we tell you on CNN or right in the Post at the New York Times. This is very clear that this thing, this trial, is a joke. There is clear law. Every litigator that's listening to this knows that in a fraud case, you have a measure of damages called out-of-pocket loss. You cannot have damages unless you can say that the fraud cost you money. And it is not a measure of damages to say, you know, if I hadn't have been defrauded, I would have done a better deal or I would have gone somewhere else and I would have made more money. That's coulda, woulda, shoulda stuff. That's not out-of-pocket loss. There is no loss here. And as a matter of fact, the initial complaint did not claim there was a loss. And yet, Letitia James is going ahead and has a, quote, expert, unquote, that's going to hit Trump for over $200 billion in, quote, damages when the damages cannot be assessed as a matter of law. 
It's just not a case. And it can't be fraud if there are no victims. You can't have, say, a, a transaction is fraudulent unless somebody relies on it. You know, I can go into the forest and I can say something false. And if nobody goes out and reaches into their pocket and pays money because of my statement, then there's no fraud. It's a false statement. People make false statements every day. That doesn't mean they're committing fraud. So it's a silly case. Anybody with an ounce of sense or who could just knows a lawyer who's been out of law school more than three hours could tell you these things that I'm telling you now. But we have this society in which it doesn't matter what the truth is. It doesn't matter that this is silly stuff. Now, people with common sense see that it's a put-up job. But, you know, the uh, suburbanites, the professionals, the women that all think that they're very um, sort of high, higher IQ people, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are getting fooled by this. That's what's so interesting. It is interesting. The big question is, John, is how in the world, if it's such a, a ridiculous case to even assume something like this, when the charges that, like you said, were brought up of, of, of damages weren't even there to begin with, how did it even get picked up by a court instead of just being tossed out and saying, this is absurd? Why would we even consider this? Well, first of all, you have a judge that doesn't care and a, a prosecutor, Letitia James, that doesn't care. And so... Um, it, 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 so that's number one. That's, so this judge would buy anything Letitia James said. Now, uh, pleading can be very vague. It can be very broad. And, and you can plead. If you don't plead damages, you can always say, well, maybe there's some money to be disgorged. Maybe there's money to be paid back. For example, you might flee somebody out of money and somebody catches you and they say, okay, pay it back. That's called disgorgement. So the Court of Appeals, they appealed this to the Court of Appeals, and the Court of Appeals said, well, the pleading standards are very broad, uh, you know. Uh, so do I think that a court will uphold $200 million in damages when there is no proof of damages? They shouldn't. And that's, it's one thing to say as a matter of pleading that you can plead broad general strokes. Uh, and I might plead a good fraud case where the damages are, are really $1, uh, you know, nominal damages. So I have a case. Now, the question is, is the court, in spite of the fact that there are zero damages or maybe a dollar in nominal damages here, um, is the court really going to assess $200 billion? I think he will. Yeah. I think he will. Wow. And now the question is, is do these people on the Court of Appeals have enough guts to say, really, this is really stupid. I know we hate Donald Trump, but, <laughs> you know, we can't we can't let this stand. Yeah. It is wild to think. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of conversation about value, property value, so on and so forth. I mean, let's go to the one where, the, I mean, they tried to claim that Mar-a-Lago was worth only $18 million when, like, the lobby itself is worth uh, roughly $18 million because of just property values in these areas. I mean, John, this is this is taking stupid to an entirely new level, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, because there are houses right near Mar-a-Lago that are on a fourth of an acre that are going for... They're very nice houses, by the way, and they fill up the lot, but they go for $18 million. And here's Trump <laughs> with 17 of the most pristine, beautiful acres with this spectacular, uh, I guess you'd call it a building. It's a set of buildings. Yes. Uh, tremendously beautiful. And that's worth $18 million. I'm sorry. It's just a joke. And the guy is using, the judge is so ignorant that he's using tax, taxpayer or tax assessments. Well, we all know that tax assessments have nothing to do with the true value of the place. It's just the way 
the tax people do it at the time. They assess a certain values that isn't necessarily the value that something's really worth. So um, it's a silly case. And what's silly about it is, is that our media do, uh, do not cover this in any kind of detail at all. So that there's a whole sector of our country that's completely in the dark. So you wonder how our society gets divided. I mean, I live in Marin County, California, all kinds of nice people wearing nice clothes, driving nice cars with nice jobs. And most of them have never heard what, I've, what I'm talking to you about. That's what sort of bothers me, wow. how we have got to this place where supposedly, and then, of course, oh, gee, all the MAGA people, we know all the MAGA people are all stupid, right? Well, I'll tell you this. I've talked to MAGA people, and I talked to fancy people in Marin and San Francisco, and I'll take the MAGA people any day, believe me, because That's they're right. people who know their facts. They've got common sense. They're not fools. Uh, they didn't. They were born at night, but not last night. And give me those folks every day, and and I'm one of them, by the way. I just happen to have a law degree, and but nobody will listen to me on this stuff because they don't want to. I mean, they know when I tell somebody this, they know I'm right. They're just not going to say anything. They're all like sheep. Sure, yeah. I mean, they get their 10-second headline from MSNBC, and they think they know what the entire case is all about. Uh, which, speaking of, Joe, let's talk about some of the other indictments that we've seen against Trump in the other court hearings. I mean, we hear in Georgia right now that some of Donald Trump's former lawyers are turning on him and talking about how he knew that he had already lost the election, but had made the comment he refuses to leave the White House, and therefore he knew that he was staging a coup. Uh, are these going anywhere? Because from what I've heard, the... Uh, witnesses that they've already tried to bring up have already backed out and said that wasn't true. So where are we at with some of these other cases? Well, I think to the extent that anybody in these sprawling indictments, the prosecutors are going to try to prove that Trump knew that he had lost, are in for a rude awakening. Because what Trump can do is he can bring in all the evidence now that he couldn't bring in in the cases that challenged the elections. When you challenge the elections, most courts don't accept the cases because they're not going to relitigate who won and lost. They're not equipped to to call two million witnesses to see who they voted for. Yeah. So that's just the fact of life, those cases. But now in these cases where they say, you knew you lost, well, Trump can come in and say, well, I'll give you 120 reasons why I think we really won Arizona. Let me go through them. Yeah, exactly. Now let's talk about Georgia. Now let's talk about these places. And when you look at these places, I tell you what, I tell you what, John, really, yeah, no, hold that thought. We got to take a hard break here. I, I really want to get to that, but uh, I don't want to cut you off right in the middle of that. So let's take a break real quick. It's John O'Connor, author of the book Postgate. You can find him online as well with his podcast and his book. We'll continue this when we come back right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes here on the program as we wrap things up for the middle of the week. Carpe Dianisms is all over the place. That's what we do here on this show. Always great to have you along with us. We're hanging out with John O'Connor. You can find him at postgatebook.com. You can find his book. You can find the podcast, all the great information that he has. By the way, speaking of these ongoing pieces of litigation, we talked yesterday with a guest about... The ongoing battles with uh, January Sixers that are still in jail and have not been officially charged with anything near three years later. 
and they're still sitting there in jail, which is a complete failure of our judicial system for one. Uh, but if you remember, the guy that really got the biggest recognition, the quote-unquote QAnon shaman, has been released and now apparently has some interest in running for Congress and maybe announcing his congressional run. Oh, the world's a crazy place, man. But again, with what the Democrats have done with the legal system that they've tried to abuse to try and silence their political opposition, things are crumbling around them. And, John, I hated to cut you off in that last break as uh, you were saying that these cases now about the election fraud or the fact that uh, Donald Trump knew about the election being lost and him wanting to stay in office is really going to backfire because it opens up that, uh, that Pandora's box, essentially, for him to lay out all the arguments on what he truly believed when it came to election fraud, and that's not going to look good for them, is it? No, it's not. And it will give him, if the judge is fair at all and allows him to put on evidence, which he should be able to do it, because remember, this is an intent crime. They're saying you knew, you intended this, these statements to be false, that you had won the election. No. Anybody with any sense, even people who hate Trump, they believe that he thought he had won. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much doubt about it. But this, these trials now give him the forum, uh, the podium, uh, to tell every, the world why he thought the election was, uh, you know, was riddled with shenanigans. And by God, most people have not heard the stories. Now, I've read uh, up on it a lot. I know them. Most people don't know them. All they know is that Trump lost his cases. Yeah. But this is an interesting soapbox for Trump to be on. Now, the second thing it does is it also delays the one case that poses problems for him, and that's the Mar-a-Lago case. He has a good judge there, but he's got bad facts because he may have obstructed justice, just to be very clear. The other cases are all ridiculous. But the, the prosecutors have put such sprawling indictments together that I don't know how we're ever going to get to Mar-a-Lago, which is his real problem. So what's going to happen is the public's going to see these cases that look like they're really – politicized witch hunts and they are and you know and he's going to get a soapbox and talk about how he won the election and then you know it's it's so it's um it's really something that may backfire on these folks and i just don't see it it's almost like he can get free airtime for his campaign his campaign is going to be these trials yeah it's going to be the oddest thing in american history and he utilizes it he definitely utilizes it. he's not gonna have to spend a dime in advertising on tv because he's going to be plastered all over before which is how he won 2016 to be honest uh which is good news and bad news john isn't it i mean the good news is he's going to be on uh in talking about the cases and in unveiling his plan but the bad news is i mean even though he's getting that publicity time does that deter him away from the actual campaign trail to go to rallies and to do things that's going to tie him up in court, which could be a challenge going into election season next year, or if he does become president, being the president of the United States. Well, you're right. Now, uh, and and so much depends upon how much time each case takes. But, mm. you know, you've got both Georgia and the January 6th case where you have terrible juries, but they've got these sprawling indictments about he he thought he, he knew he had lost. Uh, and we're never going to get to Mar-a-Lago. So, yes, at some point, the trials have to stop uh, to allow for the presidential campaign, and that's the real campaign, not the primaries. But you're right. He will be hamstrung to some degree 
in what would normally be his primary campaign, uh, the campaign for the for the nomination. But he's going to win that anyway. I think he knows that. So that's to the good. Yeah. But to try to reach the vast middle of the country, which is what he needs to do, he's going to have to rely on these trials. It's going to be a very interesting one. We've never been in these uh, waters before. We weren't in these waters before when Trump ran in 2015 and 16 either. I don't think the political experts and pundits know what to expect, which is what makes it all the more interesting and scary all at the same time. It's John O'Connor, postgatebook.com. Go and check it out. You can see all of his great pieces. You can see his podcast there as well. John, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I absolutely love it. Keep up the fight. we got to get you back on again soon. Good talk to anybody. Hey, you you as well. It's John O'Connor right there. We always love having him on the show, our investigative journalist here on the program. There it is. That does it for us today. Back at it again tomorrow for the pre-Friday celebration. Can you imagine? Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.